This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. This is David Cruz for the Comstock Report, fighting the corn demand to keep us from the fix that we are otherwise in. Asked why he was bullish corn, a farmer said it was because of the drought. While agreed that general drought conditions have not been alleviated for the corn belt, we've never lost the crop during the winter yet. Given favorable extended fall working weather, I have never seen farmers more ready and prepared to plant the spring crops. They have fertilizer applied, and I see an extraordinary amount of tillage was done. Fields are black here, so we'll warm up quickly next spring, with a little preparatory work remaining for planters to roll. There's enough topsoil moisture to get crops started, but not too much so that spring rains are likely to cause wet conditions delaying planting. The stage is set for crops to roll in early and quickly. The kind of start that they get has an impact on the final result. If the corn goes in early with a good start, as a general rule, it is harder to kill later on in the season. The biggest counterbalance to a bull market in corn was this year's elevated production. Farmers in general made the mistake of planting too many acres of corn this year. We did not get a trend line yield, but with 93.85 million acres, it did not take a high yield to balloon the carryover. The USDA forecast adding 600 million bushels to demand consumption, and the carryover still grows by a 770 million bushel. That was a 55% increase in year-to-year carryover stocks, which acts as a buffer to 2024 weather. It is a whole lot easier to run shorter supply with a 1.361 billion bushel carryover as in 2023 than with the 2.131 billion bushel 2024 carryover now forecast. Many expect farmers to reduce 2024 corn acres, but they are well prepared agronomically to plant corn. I fear that farmers will repeat the mistake made last year, planting too much corn again. I hate to be the messenger of bad news, but if we only reduce planted corn acres by a couple of million, we get a trend line yield, the carryover mushrooms into a real bad supply problem to then work out of. What often happens is that the market will not discourage farmers from planting corn. New crop may hold up into the crop insurance price setting month of February. Once the market thinks that farmers will plant enough corn, then it eats the carrot it has been extending. We are going to want to get some new crop corn priced early. One of these years, we will grow an above trend line yield. What are we going to do with all that corn? I don't want to go back to the days of needing farm subsidies. Given that the beef herd is liquidated and non-feed numbers will fall further when the drought ends and industry expands again, While hog producers are suffering unsustainable losses, eventually forcing some liquidation, there's no reason to expect a significant increase in U.S. feed consumption anytime soon. As for exports, South America is expanding its corn production on the same trajectory they did soybeans. Last year, Brazil produced another record crop, mitigated by the drought in Argentina. This year, those regional conditions may be reversed. USDA already has a 439 million bushel increase in exports factored into its balance sheet. That could improve further, but not enough to run us tight on corn. Years ago, when we were in the situation of dealing with a perpetual oversupply of corn, we looked for a value-added solution from demand, and the ethanol industry took shape. The ethanol industry was the greatest creator of wealth for our agriculture in my lifetime. Again, I do not see the increase in corn demand needed corresponding to the increase in trendline yield coming from feed use or exports. If it comes, it will come from ethanol demand. 
The potential for that is there from reducing the carbon score of ethanol, which would dramatically improve market access. Japan says that it wants to buy U.S. ethanol, but says that its current carbon score is still too high. California buys Brazilian ethanol with a lower carbon score. Zero life cycle carbon ethanol is possible and would open the market to a gazillion more gallons of ethanol. Regulations have to accommodate this. The EPA has been messing around for years, delaying approval of year-round use of E15 to the point of absurdity. Congress approved year-round E15. The EPA just has to implement the law and instead only provided another frustration of how government bureaucracy fails to perform. The most effective way to materially reduce the carbon score of ethanol is to sequester the CO2 from ethanol plants. The infrastructure to do that is under development poised to be implemented. I've done my part by signing an easement with Summit Carbon Solutions to build their pipeline across my property to transport CO2 from ethanol plants in the Midwest and North Dakota. We're not talking a few million bushels of potential corn demand from low-carbon ethanol, but hundreds of millions of bushels of new corn demand. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.